Hello, everyone. Uh, Luke here, Disable, uh, as you may know me. Um, we thought um, we would bring you some extra Sky Overhaul content. Um, obviously, the overhaul is upon us. Uh, lots of information out there, but um, I felt like uh, there was some room for a little bit more, a little bit of a, a deep dive into a few separate issues that I'm certainly considering uh, and debating over and over. So um, I've invited uh, a friend of mine, Niall Murphy, who um, many of you may recognize when you look at the leaderboard every single season, because usually this guy's right up the top. Um, one of the best records going, if not the best. He's probably too humble to say that himself, so I thought I'd stick that in at the beginning. Uh, Niall, welcome. How's it going? Hello, Luke. Thanks for having me on. Um, us making our contribution to this week of content overload as we finally reach the overhaul. I, I'm not going to accept you saying that I'm the best or one of the best ever. Um, I've had some good finishes, but I heard this week that there's a guy who might actually be top of the game right now who's actually won it twice already. So I can't take that mantle. But I have finished third um, in the season that our friend Dan Cox from the Hub podcast, mm -hmm. when he won it, I finished third that season. Um, and since then, I've finished 15th, 17th and 42nd, um, <laughs> which is all right. I mean, pretty happy with that. This season, I'm currently sat in 45th, so I'm behind you. Um, so hopefully I can I can sort that out between now and the end of the season. But I've I've had a bit of a bad week, uh, and I've just learned that that Dallas actually should have got a tier two passing bonus last night, um, and and, and the, the, the the last pass was updated late. So you'll you'll excuse me for being furious. Um, but yeah, thank <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Um, I'm quite grateful for that actually, having not being a Dallas owner myself. It's a uh, second time this season after the Zuma debacle, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, you got a big call anyway. You've had enough. Um, what was going to say? Oh, yeah, Dan, Dan, obviously, that season. That, I mean, that's a fantastic record. And this is part of the reason why I'm doing this. Um, obviously, now you don't appear too often on these things. And I, for me, it's uh, just really helpful because that consistency is just ridiculous. Um, so I've, I've done pretty well myself, but the last couple of seasons, I've sort of flirted just around the top 100, maybe a little bit below even. Um, so I feel like if I can pick your brains, it, it can help me out. Uh, also, the guy who's top shipped, I think he had, he's definitely won it once before. There is another guy, oh God, his name escapes me. I'm sorry if he's listening. He has won it twice. But obviously, this guy is now in, in very much in pole position um, to, to, to go again and win it. I mean, that would be unbelievable. I think for me, that really highlights that, um, well, obviously, Sky is a little bit, I'd say, easier to do, to do well in for the top manager. But it also highlights to me that, um, you know, there's always this debate of skill and luck. And for me and Sky, when you have the same guy who's won it twice in the past and this guy who may again win it twice out of, you know, close to sort of 800,000 people usually play it. I mean, to me, it just really highlights how much skill is involved in this game. Absolutely. I think I think that with this game, there's a real... You get, you get rewarded for putting the time in uh, and doing the planning. Um, and the thing is as well, I think with... And this season we might have seen it too. The more chaos there is, so you know, COVID call-offs, fixture rearrangements, being in the know really matters. And so for people I'm sure who are listening to this podcast um, and some of the names on the leaderboard, it seems there's a lot of familiar faces up there. Um, yeah. and I've always been someone who, you know, as, as frustrating as it can be when games get called off and you know games get rearranged at the last minute, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but generally... If you're ahead of the game um, by planning by planning for it, you'll be in a better place than most. And I think this season's really exacerbated that. So 
it probably explains why you know the likes of yourself and the guys from the hub and you know the planet planet guys and uh, and some of the other people who contribute on on the different forums they're all doing so well because they've taken the time out to really think and, and plan ahead and so if you're listening to, to us then, then hopefully you're in that camp too yeah 100 percent, love it um and, and and as ever it's just gonna it just makes this overhaul so important as well i think because um, yeah, we're just competing against such fantastic players. Like everyone in and around that area is obviously great. And then you go just below that. I mean, you can't just, I always end up, I don't know if you do this, but I always look where I am and always look above me and always like, oh, I can catch that. Bastard. And I always forget about the, you know, the 300 or 400 people, but probably even more that could easily, um, you know, just, just smash a few captains and, and be straight in the mix. And yeah, that's, that's the nature of it. But uh, nailing this overhaul is obviously key. That's what we're here for. Um, so I've got a couple of discussion points. I just wanted to run them past you. I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, you're still there. Can you hear me now? Great. Yes, I can. Ah, oh, sorry. Don't worry. I'll edit that bit out. Um, for Ian Harron is really good at predicting the fixtures, and um, he seems to think that Man City will get quite a few, as quite a lot in the community do. So the real debate for me is just how many Man City players do I go with? They seem to be like the best assets in the game, the best team in the game. They've got more games, but every one you put in, you probably limit yourself elsewhere in flexibility. Have you given it? much thought as to how many Man City players or defenders you're, you're looking at? Yeah, I think this is this is the, the question that will define certainly my overhaul team and probably a lot of other people's. Um, how heavy on City do you go? I mean, you know, obviously, straight out of the bat, they've got that additional fixture midweek against Everton. Um, we've seen in recent history, right, in the last, the last month and a half, how rewarding it can be by loading up on them. And I think mm. so, looking at the month of January alone, right, <laughs> amongst the top seven players, six of them were City players. And that includes the whole of the defence. Um, so, and that includes the whole of it, including Zinchenko. The only other player to get into that was was Pogba in, in the month of January. So, um, and that's with a bit of rotation, right? Some of the players missed the game. So it just shows how good they can be. Um, you know, John Stone's, has scored more points this season than Andy Robertson, despite starting 10 games less. And that's Andy Robertson, of all people. You know, it's crazy. So, And Robertson's, you know, one of the best picks in the game, usually. So it just shows how good they can be. Um, for me, I can see myself starting with two or three defenders. I mean, certainly I'll be starting with Diaz. He's absolutely nailed on, right? Um, mm. I think Ederson's a great choice. Um, there are a couple of other goalkeepers who are in, in the decision-making, but I think I think Ederson looks very good. Um, Cancelo and Stones are probably the next two, um, and both of them still look great options. There's a little bit of question marks about, you know, game time. Will they be mm. rotated? Will they, will they not? But I think they'll play the majority of the games, and we've seen what happens when they play. They start on five points, and they're more likely to keep clean sheets and get attacking returns than most other defenders. So, yeah, I can certainly see the case for leaning right into them. For me, I can see myself going two, two maybe three at the back, um, including possibly Ederson as well. Um, 
And then the rest of the team, you know, Gundogan looks looks fantastic. He's scored more goals than anyone else in 2021. In fact, he scored seven goals in 2021, which is three more than anyone else, which, again, is incredible. Yeah. So you're going to be getting that sort of return from from the City players. It makes sense to really steer into them. Um, but the only the only caveat I would say is if you steer in too hard, we've seen the fixtures. You know they are they are negotiable. There's a couple of difficult captaincy games in there with Brighton, Palace, um, maybe Leeds in there as well, um, and Everton a bit later on. Mm-hmm. So if you do steer too hard into City, you've got to be cautious that you don't end up you know hamstringing the rest of your team, and uh, and, and it's going to be that's going to be the big challenge. But my my view is go. Hard without hurting yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's the way I'm. I'm certainly edging at the moment. Uh, it's just so hard to get that recency. I mean, I don't even know if it is recency bias, but it they're just so good of late. And like you say, it's the extra games. Um, and with you, I, I mean, Stones and Cancelo. This is the thing that kind of troubles, I think, most fantasy managers. Especially in Sky, you basically nailed 100% nailed people, right? I mean, that's that's the whole nature of the game. We've got no bench or anything like that. And when you see those lineups and your team's not in it, uh, your player's not in it, you know, uh, nearly every player in this game, as long as you're picking the good ones, have like a sort of two to four points as almost a minimum per game. So straight away, you're down. Um, but I mean, given that John Stones has started like 13 games this season and he's the third highest scoring defender in the game, it, it challenges that and it makes you think, but does it does it even matter? Like you say, I mean, the fact they've got extra games gives them the chance to just match everyone else anyway. Maybe only play six of the of the eight that they've got um, between now and March. I think it is. Um, I, I, you take that right. So, yeah, I think Cancelo and Diaz are probably in for me. Edison definitely a consideration. Not sure on that yet. Gundogan, yeah, very likely. I think I'll have him. Uh, and the extra one really for me is that I'm debating is maybe just have Stones as well or not. I feel like if I go without him, I'll really regret it. So but the problem, like you have that extra guy and he limits you a captain elsewhere, right? But that's what we've got transfers for as well. At the end of the day, we can we can start with stones and if it doesn't quite work out or you want to move to a transfer, uh, a sort of captain day later on down the line, that price of like 8.4 million, I think across all the positions in the game is just really good. There's lots of midfielders, lots of defenders and even the likes of um, uh, Bamford, Watkins, etc. They're all around that value. So yeah, that's the way I'll probably go. Um, as well, what I was going to talk to you about next? Yeah, you actually brought it up. So it was Brighton, uh, as you mentioned there. They've got um, they've got at least one captain day very early on. Home to Palace, um, which is it the first week? No, it's actually the second week. Obviously, got a nice couple of fixtures to start. I mean, home to Villa um, could get a clean sheet, maybe not. Home to Palace the week after. Um, and then moving forward, their fixtures are OK. Obviously, they're doing very well at the moment um, in terms of their defensive assets. And Ian Perrin's actually got them uh, in his projections uh, to play maybe a couple more times on, on individual days. So, yeah, are you considering getting any or even ignoring? Because historically, these kind of uh, teams, uh, often ignoring, can actually be um, quite rewarding. So what's your thoughts on Brian? Yeah, I think I think in a normal world, right? I mean, Brighton are not normally the most exciting team to to be jumping on. They don't tend to do very well defensively. But in the last few games, they've kept more clean sheet, almost as many clean sheets as Manchester City. They're second in the in the clean sheets table, um, only to them. 
Um, and under Potter, they tend to keep possession as well. So they're actually not too bad for passing. Mm. The, guy, the guy, Sanchez, in goal, who's nailed on as the number one now, is only six million. So, I mean, you know, obviously Ederson is the, the premium option. And the one thing that pushes me towards Ederson is that, you know, they've got the additional games and he's the only one who is 100% guaranteed to start. But that said, you know, a, a nearly £2 million saving yeah. by going for Sanchez is not to be sniffed at. And he's performed very well recently. So I think he he certainly comes into the, the reckoning. But for me, and, and, and I think this is where I'm going to go, I'm actually looking at Lewis Dunk. Um, I know he's £8 million, which is a lot, right, for a, for a Brighton defender. Yeah. And right around that mark of Cancelo, of Stones, um, of some of the good midfielders like Antonio. And so I'm thinking of potentially starting with him because he's he's a threat, he's a goal threat. He's had man of the match a couple of times this season. Mm. Um, scored a few goals and he gets passes quite frequently. Um, so I think he's a, he's a good option in there, especially for the captaincy game against Crystal Palace, right? We saw last night just how deep Palace sit and how poor they look going forward. So mm. you, know, you could even get a passing bonus and a clean sheet in that game. And then the only other player that I've, I've picked out that I think might be half decent is Pascal Gross. He was good a few seasons ago for a couple of goals and assists, but he's also not too bad in, on tackles as well. He's had tackles a couple of times in the last few games. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, you know, if you, if you didn't want to touch your defence and, and goalkeeper, by bringing the Brighton player in, you could always just put someone like him in um, and leave him. It's not something I would do, but it's certainly an option if, if you're looking at that. So, good games, captaincies, um, they look pretty solid. Then the question is, what do you do with them? Do you want to keep them or do you want to bounce them on? Um, mm-hmm. If I was to go down the Sanchez route, I think that I could see myself keeping him for the season just because of his price. Um, and the games are pretty decent, even into the longer the longer term. Mm. If I was to go for the dunk option, I could see myself maybe bouncing him on in a few weeks' time to someone like DCL, um, who then has a captaincy game standalone a bit later down the line. Yeah, yeah. So that's the options I've looked at. I don't know what are you thinking. Um, well, I've, I think I've got less swaps than most of. The, I keep saying swaps, transfers. I've got less transfers than most people above me. So I feel like, as much as I'd love a Brighton asset for that run. I may just go against it for the reasons you said about probably wanting to bounce them out later. So for me, it'll probably be Sanchez or or no one. And I feel like season long, who scores more Edison than Sanchez? I mean, obviously, I mean, I say obviously, pretty obviously, it'll be Edison. Um, the thing is that two million or, or close to two million is is a consideration because right now you look at your team, you think I don't really need to spend this money, but later on down the line, if suddenly you know Liverpool start smashing it and Salah and Robertson are very good or Mane or Kevin De Bruyne comes back and he's um, irresistible, then suddenly you, you're going to need money. And it's always that goalkeeper spot that you look at. And I know that myself, particularly this season, not having Martinez for most of the season, you know, having in most cases or for a large part of it, having a more expensive keeper than him and seeing him continuously outscore them at a lesser price is very painful. So it can save you some headaches later down the line. So I'm still not 100% on it. I'm, I'm airing towards skip at the moment entirely. Um, but I may change my mind there. I do really like the dunk, the dunk move, especially versus Palace. I think Palace might be the worst team in the league for conceding from set pieces. Well, I may have made that up. I, I thought I heard that somewhere. So, uh, given Dunk's goal threat, that would be tidy hall. Um, I mean, we saw from Dallas didn't even score on on Monday, but 
these cheaper defenders can can it doesn't really matter at the price or even position you can just get ridiculous hauls if you've got you know the the sky players basically the guys that no one else would consider so yeah interesting um i have to sit on that myself another one that's really causing me headaches at the moment is um someone that probably shouldn't be um and that's mo salah i i honestly don't know whether i'm going to start with this guy and just saying that sentence i'm already dripping in sweat um but should i be uh, are you going to have salah in your team because um, I'd love to know because to be honest, I want to copy <laughs> copy whichever route you go here because I, I honestly can't remain make my mind up at all. Yeah, this is one that's really been been a, a real source of contention for me. But what I would say is I've had a little bit more time to think about it, and, and I'm leaning more towards actually having him than not. Um, I know that the, the games to begin with, right? So he's got Leicester, Everton, um, the first two games back. Then he's got Sheffield United and Fulham. And actually, if you look at the if you look at the game the way they lie, there's a case that we made that there could be better captaincy options elsewhere on mm-hmm. that day. But it's likely, particularly against Everton and, and maybe against Sheffield United, he'll be right up there in terms of the highest players captained. Um, he's not been great in recent weeks. That's that's clear. But he's still the third highest overall scorer in the game. Yeah, and that's and that's hard to get away from, right? So. He can hurt you. He can hurt you big time. He's on penalties. Liverpool are not going to be as bad as they've been for the you know for the last few weeks for the rest of the season. Um, and if you're going to go with it, you're going to have to have balls of steel <laughs> because it's going to be it's going to be behind the sofa time every single every single time they play. Yeah. Um, and so that I think I think just for my own mental health. I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna start with him, um, but there, there are other options, right? So he's at he's at that kind of price where you can you can move around and you could maybe start without him and then move on to mm-hmm. him. So looking at Ryan Sterling again, extra games, he's been scoring goals quietly under the radar. And mm, really like him. He, he could he looks like he could explode at some point, um, and then even even Timo Werner. I know I, I don't want to I don't want to tempt fate again because I had him at the start of the season and he was terrible. Um, but he's looked pretty sharp. He got man of the match at the weekend, assisted both goals, I believe. Um, and under Tuchel, looks like he looks like he could be breathing a new lease of life into him. So he's another option too. They've got Newcastle to start with. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't bang big time right at the mm-hmm. beginning. So there's other options at that price. It's just difficult, but I think I'm going to play it safe. Yeah, I, I'm really happy you mentioned that, actually, because Sterling is one I've, I've been looking at a lot, and I thought maybe I needed my health checked. But, yeah, he, the games are good. The extra games we've already talked about, and, he, and he's at that price where at least I won't really spend the money and I'll keep the money in the bank for Salah. So I have considered that as well. I do like that a lot. And and Werner, obviously, yeah, that, that home to Newcastle game just stinks of points for Chelsea all over their team. So, yeah, I really like that. I mean, you made a good point there. Liverpool aren't going to be this bad for the rest of the season. And I think that's something I talked about earlier with the recency bias. You know, things change so quickly. Um, and I have no doubt in my mind that later on in the season, I will want Salah in my team. So, as a person with not many swaps left, it probably just makes sense just to keep him from the start, um, despite me thinking that he probably will be outscored for a couple of weeks yet. Annoying, but that's where these guys who have kept a lot of transfers can make um, make the ground back. That's what the game's all about, right? Um, 
Okay, let's move on. Uh, the next person I've written down on my little list here, I mean, it could come under the blanket of Aston Villa, but I've written down the name Jack Grealish. Um, Aston Villa have got 17 games left, which, along with Everton, um, are the only two teams to have that. Everyone else has either got 16 or 15. So straight away, they jump out. Uh, there's a couple of times where you could potentially look at them as a captain. I think, again, in Ian Parron's predicted list, uh, Aston Villa have got maybe one, possibly two, where they could uh, pop out and offer a captain. Villa have just been fantastic in general with fantasy assets across their team. Um, but not necessarily needed, um, I think, in the, in, the, in the very short term for captain. So Jack Grealish, obviously fantastic. A lot of us have had him for most of the season. Um, not scoring too well of late, though. So what are your thoughts around him and, and Villa? What, are you going to go down that route? And, and if you are, is it going to be Jack? Yeah, I know you're obviously a big advocate of, of Grealish. Mm. Um, and he's done, he has done this, this season. He's been phenomenal, hasn't he? He's, he's been electric. Um, it's difficult, though, right? Because you cannot, he slightly frustrates me in the sense that he's he dances his way to two points. He's never made a two-pointer look so good sometimes. <laughs> um but, but he is always threatening and capable. Um, and he's picked up a few assists and, and ticks along nicely. I think that the, the biggest thing for me here is the position. Like In the midfield, there was, a, there was a flurry a couple of weeks ago where it looked like the midfielders were taken over. But I think since then, normal service has resumed. Um, and beyond Bruno, Gundogan, you know, maybe a couple of others, there's not an abundance of outstanding options. And so while... Martinez and Watkins excite me a little bit more when you compare them against the options in their positions. I think Grealish pips pips them, um, and it's going to be a little bit frustrating, right? Because you, if you go for Grealish because you need a midfielder and you see Martinez and Watkins consistently outscoring him, you can't get yourself too upset because you've just got to look at that within the context of who else do you have in those positions yeah. and who would you have had if you never had Grealish. So yeah, I mean. Like Salah, I um, I was uncertain at the start. I'm probably leaning towards having him. Um, and the thing is now, when I, I'm thinking about this, right, the team's not going to be changing that much <laughs> from from what it was last week. But I think there are so many players right now who you could make a case for. I mean, other midfielders at that price, Jorginho, he's scored 34 points in the last four mm-hmm. games with under the manager. He looks he looks excellent. I mean, again. You can make the case for him. He's back on penalties. He's not doing that dodgy run-up anymore, so he's actually looking like he's going to score them. Um, he gets tackles too. You know, even Thiago from Liverpool, who I had for my sins. I don't know why I brought him in, but, you know, he's had a couple of games in the last three where he's got tier two passes and tier two tackles. So there are lots of options around that price in midfield. Um, but Grealish, as you say, might cover a captaincy. Um, and they're going to have extra games. So you might just be a set and forget. I, I don't know, where are you leaning on that? Yeah, I think you've summed my thoughts perfectly there. I probably will end up having him, despite me thinking that Watkins is probably the better option who I've had in the last few weeks, and he's he's done me so well. Uh, the shot tier, I guess, is the thing that he can he can almost fall back on. We always like these players in Sky that can can fall back on something when they, they don't get the attacking return. I mean, Jack Grealish has got a phenomenal amount of assists, but I don't know any player who gets 38 assists in a season. If he doesn't get that assist, he's probably on for a two-pointer, like you say. Whereas Watkins, 
yeah, his finishing leaves something to be desired. But he gets quite a lot on target, um, looks busy in every game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he would pick up bonus even in games they fail. It's just the positions that, you know, the, the, the forwards, if you use one on Watkins, you're, you're limiting yourself elsewhere, which may not be a bad thing. I mean, he's certainly in, still in the, um, my thoughts. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm probably going to end up just having Grealish. I do think there is a very good argument just to have Martinez and just not have anyone else and use him as your captain. I think he's more than adequate. He's obviously been the highest score. I think he's the highest scoring keeper in the game. He's certainly top two and obviously costs you know nearly two million less than Edison. So sometimes I think, do we overthink these things? And I just, I just stick him in. So that's still an option for me. Um, yeah, but... I do love I do love me some Jack. So I'll probably end up having him. You make you, also you do make a very good point with the likes of Jorginho, Thiago. They're all around the same price. And the end of the day, these guys come with their come with an assist already almost because obviously tier two passing is the equivalent of an assist. So they start with it as default. Jack's got to earn that, um, and therefore you're looking at basically can Jack get man of the match or a goal above them. Um, and in Jorginho's case, with penalties, maybe not, maybe not. So something to me th- for me to think about and for people to think about. I think ultimately, if you're looking to chase, I think that going elsewhere is probably slightly um, a better answer there because that is an opportunity. I think for the likes of maybe me and you that will play a little bit safer near the top, uh, we'll probably have Grealish, and that might maybe an area that you can target, look at, and think, well, I can get a player of, of the equivalent value who who could do just as well, or, or if not better. Um, Antonio is a name you've mentioned I've written his name down West Ham in general very performed very well this season Antonio is another one of my love childs absolutely love this guy think he's absolutely fantastic um, great game right off the bat home to Sheffield United is it? I think it might be I'm just gonna check. Yeah. Yeah. yeah home to Sheffield United uh, obviously there's a little bit of concern around injury so we'll have to wait for news there that could, that could sway us either way but He's a midfielder playing up front um, with post some of the best XG stats uh, for last season, for this season. He's always in the frame. So it makes me really want him. Um, but the games aren't great after, are they? So where are you at? Where are you going towards in this one? And also, I just want to add, obviously, his injury record is a concern. And when you're like me and got not too many transfers um, starting with him, you almost feel like you're booking one in. Uh, so what are, your, what are your thoughts around Antonio? <clears throat> yeah, it's a, this is another burning question. I, I, for what it's worth, love Antonio. I've not had him this season, um, but last season I brought him in the day that he got that massive haul against Norwich. Oh, wow. he's, and, he, and he still looks like he can do that. I mean, if you watched the Palace game a couple of weeks back, he should have had, he, he, he could have had a hat trick easily. Like, you could have even had four. He's getting himself in great positions still. But I do wonder if he's able to play. I don't know if he's, able, if he's able to play 90 minutes every week and how, how fit he really is. Um, again, the question mark would be, uh, he's got a great game against Sheffield United. You could captain him then. But then the fixtures do tighten a little bit. Um, he does, you know, he's the kind of player who, who you can definitely make the cases is fixture-proof. I mean, he bullies defences. You saw when he played Manchester City at the start of the season, he wiped the floor with Ruben Diaz and I mean how many players this season could say they've done that not mm. many um, so he's yeah I mean I think he seems to be the, a bit of the forgotten man um, for me like, when I've been thinking about that third midfield slot I've had Grealish in my mind I've had Thiago Jorginho in my mind um, and others of that but 
for some reason I've not thought much of Antonio, but certainly can see the can see the upsides with him. He's going to get a lot of two pointers, but he's the kind of guy that could get an eighteen pointer out of nowhere. Um, and the other guys, I'm not sure can do that. So, uh, yeah, I think at the moment he's not in, but I can 100% see why anyone would want to. Are you are you swaying towards him? I know you love him. Yeah, I mean he's bit, he's in my draft at the moment. I'll admit, but um, when I look at Ian Parent's projections again, there is a game. I think it's yeah game week 26. Um, I think he's going by Sky game weeks here. Uh, Friday the 5th of March anyway. Potentially there is West Ham at home to Leeds on that day. Now, obviously, you could captain a Leeds player and they could do absolutely fine. So, you know, he's not completely necessary. That feels like a game for Antonio, though, for me. I would I would strongly want to captain Antonio over a Leeds player in that game. I just feel like uh, his directness would cause Leeds a lot of problems there. So I, that's in my mind as well. I think there is another one. Um, I'm just flicking through now as I'm talking. Yeah, so Sunday the 21st of March. Uh, again, these are not guaranteed. So that's the other thing in the back of my mind. Am I planning for something that may not happen? Uh, we potentially got West Brom at home to Everton on that day, uh, Sunday the 21st of March. So I currently don't have any Everton in my team. Um, and also we have Antonio home to Arsenal or West Ham home to Arsenal. Again, not a great game, but they may be the only two games on that day. So... By going, Antonio, you probably get the Sheffield United game and then possibly two other captain days as well in and amongst those games. And like you say, any game, you can just turn it on for those sort of 18 points or something. Um, but I feel yeah. like with Antonio, if, you, if you're going to have him in and then sort of plan to have him in about three or four weeks, it's a pretty dangerous game. <laughs> totally. But I think, I think if, you're, if you're maybe running low on transfers um, and you're looking at that game when Everton are playing West Brom, thinking, you know, I don't want to start with an Everton player. Um, and I've not really got the transfers to bring one in, then you're right. I mean, having having Antonio in there would be a decent enough fodder for that game. Um, and provided he doesn't get injury and, and any injuries, which is obviously a massive, massive caveat, um, he could be he could be a, a steady pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's and that's this is I think the overhaul has come at quite a difficult time. I don't think there's clear consensus on uh, a template. I don't think that I don't think I think. You know, there's clearly a few players who everyone's going to have, but you could really make a case for a team that were two teams that were completely different. As long as they had the likes of Bruno in there, Diaz in there, I think that's probably and maybe Kane. Mm-hmm. You could really make a case for twenty, twenty-five players, which I think makes it exciting, but it also makes it a little bit stressful. And Antonio falls into that that grace gray zone. I agree. Yeah, I did the um, I did the scoutcast uh, video with Joe earlier, and. Uh... I basically made a differential team for that, uh, um, but still looking at covering the captain days for for some of the people who want to take a chance. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. So my advice there was to look at every single uh, captain day coming up um, and think of an alternative, because ultimately these captains are the ones that propel you further forward. So I don't mean going crazy. I mean, like for the likes of when everyone's got Bamford, then you've got Rafinha, for example, and all you need is for him to outscore him, you know, on the majority of those days, and suddenly you're flying. Um, so yeah, I think I think there is there is opportunity, like you say, to to have a whole host of different players. Um, there is a, there is favoured ones in the community and for us as individuals, but I think there's there's no way you can rule out, you know, Dallas can be the captain for Leeds. Even Meslier was doing the job. There's multiple players from some of these teams, and, and Villa's another one that we've discussed, where you don't have to go down who you can. I mean, it's even debatable who is the best captain. Um, uh, I suppose it's almost match-dependent quite a lot of the time, 
you know, sometimes Bamford looks the better option. Sometimes Dallas might be if he's, if he's in for passing and tackles, etc. And that's that's the thing in Sky is uh, getting these captains right. It's so it's so key. And um, Antonio, yes, he might have some further down the line uh, and want to begin with, but in between that, probably not so many. I'll probably end up being guided by uh, the press conferences this week. If if there's noise of oh we're going to give him a go, um, he looks like he's all right, sort of thing. But it, which is probably what I'm expecting. Um, it seems to be that every week he's kind of tired. We're monitoring, you know, but we're still going to play him. I may just cut that headache out. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, the other guy I want to talk to you about now is uh, one I, we just mentioned in this actually, uh, and it's to do with the Everton games. Everton have also got those extra games. Calvert Lewin is back and firing. Um, what's your thoughts on him? And, and if not him, are you looking at any other Everton assets? Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm not looking at any other Everton assets. I think he's probably the best one. Um, again, like you know, the competition for places amongst the strikers is just so great just now. I'd like to have DCL. I'd love to have Watkins. You know, I'd love to have Sterling. I'd love to have Werner. But that means I'd have to not have Bamford or not have Salah, and not have Kane. So it's 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 tricky. And I think DCL falls into that that category. I think what, what I can see myself doing. And I've got a, a few transfers left. I think I'm a little bit more than you, but not. I'm, I'm not saying I've got masses. Mm. Um, I think I, I might move him in as part of my Brighton plan. So let's say I was to start with Dunk, keep him for a, for a few few weeks, a couple of games, get that captaincy, and then maybe bump him sideways to uh, to DCL if I was to be if I was to start with a five three two, which does give me shivers at the prospect <laughs> of that. So. You know, obviously, with a five-three-two, you can get stuck quite quickly. But if it was only a temporary, a temporary situation to begin with, you could maybe get away with it. Um, but yeah, you know, I think he, he's he's clearly a good option. I don't know if he is back to the levels he was at before. I'm still jury's out a little bit um, because he had a really bad few weeks um, from the middle of December all the way through basically to the start of this month. So I think. Maybe a watching brief on him. Um, see, see how he plays in the first few games before that MNF game that he's got, and then make a decision there. Yeah, like that. that that's probably the route I'm going. It's, it's it's like what you said though. It's just there's too much competition up front, and I feel like the template, um, which I'm assuming you've got by the way you're speaking, and who's sat in my draft right now, is uh, is Kane, Salah, and Bamford, and it's very hard to move away from that right now. But things change quickly. And uh, he does have those extra games. So, again, he's another one where I feel if you want to be slightly different, maybe you want to cover leads with Rafinha instead of Banford and then go for Calvert-Lewin. Or maybe if you want to uh, just bump Salah entirely, which we just discussed is is a possibility, uh, you could actually go with uh, with Kane, Calvert-Lewin and Banford. I do like that as well. Gives you lots of money as well. Maybe more money to get Kevin De Bruyne when he comes back. So, yeah, another consideration, something I'll probably end up doing in the B team um, rather than from the A, though, if that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, I was going to talk to you about Leeds assets, but I think we've covered that whilst we've been talking more than any. Um, and, I, and I get the impression it's Bamford. Is, is that who you're going for? I think so. I've not had Bamford all season. I've been on the ever-dependable Dallas. I actually could see the case for you having two Leeds players. They've got, I think, looking at um, Ian... Parron's spreadsheet and that guy deserves a knighthood by the way if you could ever get knighthood from service with this guy fantasy football he deserves it um, but they've got an extra game fixtures are good Dallas is you know I mean I was looking him and, him and James Justin I think are 
outstanding as as enablers. Mm. There's only one point separating the two of them so far this season. Um, so it's been nip and tuck, and they've both been brilliant. So I, I, can I, I'm going to find it difficult to part ways with Dallas because he's just, you know, someone who's played Sky for a few years. He's the enabler that everyone wants. Um, we've been crying out for him in years gone past. Somebody like him, and he's come along. And now I'm going to all of a sudden be saying goodbye. So um, I can see I can see the case for having Dallas and Bamford, and then. You know, probably captain in Bamford in the games that you think that attacking returns are more likely. Um, and in games like last night with uh, with Palace, I think knowing that Dallas has got tackles and passes in his repertoire as well as clean sheets, he might be the person you go for then. Um, but again, it's it's tricky. And then and then Rafinha comes into the mix, right? You talked about him. If you have a really high budget team and you're needing uh, an, an alternative cheap option in midfield, I mean, what was he six point eight? I think that's yeah. really good value. Um, so there's you know a good case to be made for more than one Leeds player. Um, I don't know. You, you, I guess you're going to go with Bamford as well. Yeah, no, I, I I like that you highlight that because it's very easy to get um, pigeonholed into this. Just like you need to cover the team, and you're just going to get one, and, and you end up getting sidetracked and ignore the fact that there there's lots of good options. Um, and yeah, you're right. Dallas is is just a great pick. I'm currently on Bamford without Dallas, but I haven't had Dallas for quite a long time. And let me tell you, that's been quite. You know, sometimes it's worked out, but more often than not, it's been painful. He's just such a fun pick. You know, a defender playing in midfield for a very attacking side. Um, I mean, I don't need to talk to you about the merits of him. He's he's just great. So I may have to rethink that um, and and get him in there. At the moment, at his price, I've got. I think I'm looking at Vestergaard, who's six point four million. They're both the same. So what I may do is start with Vestergaard because they've got a nice run. Uh, some of leads to be fair in terms of the the double and stuff. And then maybe if Vestergaard's just not working, um, if he can't get back to how he was, just just suck it up and, and switch to Dallas. The fact that they're the same price makes that obviously pretty easy. Um, the last one really that I had to bring to your attention is um, is Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he's, I'm not sure when he's actually due back. Um, haven't heard anything r- recently. Um but yeah, I mean, he hasn't been great this season overall, has he? But he just terrifies me because he's the best player in the league, um, in my opinion. So do you have any thoughts around him? Are you going to leave money in the bank? Do you plan to get him back straight away? Are you going to give it a few weeks, etc.? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think what is the £50,000 question? Um, I I don't know. I, I've not been, I was never really convinced with KDB this season, I felt like I was captaining him out of out of routine. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like if you were to teach a if you were to teach a computer to play the game, it would be looking at the points in the past and it would be saying, "Well, you know, Man City game, you should be captaining Diaz because he's getting ten points every single game." But yet we kept going back to the watering hole with KDB and the hope that he could muster up a major hole. Mm. Um, and he only had, I think, he's only had a couple, one or two hauls this season of over 10 points. Um, so he's not looking the same. I think the fact that he's playing in a more advanced role is just meaning that he's, he's not getting on the ball as much. So he's getting less passes. Um, you know, in a couple of seasons ago, last season as well, when he plays in central midfield, if he's getting passes and he's getting assists and goals and even tackles as well, he's capable of getting a lot. And he's just like Bruno, he's one of those players that you don't even think twice to put him in. So I think for me, I'm probably going to have Gundogan um, to start with 
um, who I think with, uh, you know nearly three million cheaper is is a great option. Uh, and then once KDB comes back, assess it at the time. But I, I don't think there will be the the same clamor to get him in this time. Um, and I also, you know, I would obviously be caution against people setting their teams up in such a way that the only way they could get him in would be taking out someone like Bruno because you obviously don't want to do that. Mm. But I've heard I've heard worse ideas and you know holding back budget and and harming your team just in the case that KDB not only comes back from injury but he also returns to a level of form that we haven't seen this season. And I'm not sure that's worth ruining your team. Yeah, no, I think those are wise words. That's exactly it for me. It's do I set out my team where I can get to him in one move, but then you obviously have to highlight who it is in your team you think you're going to remove, which is also risky. Um, or, or do you just ignore him and spread the cash? Because I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I have to spend two transfers to get him. Uh, and then when you're sort of doing that, sitting with less, I mean, the money's not not really that important. It doesn't matter if you've got 8 million in the bank as long as your team's performing. It makes no difference. But yeah, to, to set up in such a way where I may have, maybe have a lesser option than I would like somewhere else in my team, just on that hope, uh, I think I'm with you. And I'll, I'll be setting up my team in, in such a way that basically I can't get him um, unless I was to remove the likes of Salah. Obviously, if you've got someone like him, then, then you can because he's more expensive. But I'm not going to set up with the money in the bank. So, yeah, it's just a concern. I mean, I think it's just that whole fear thing we've discussed with the likes of... I mean, I started the last overhaul without Bruno um, because of his performance in the first four weeks, and that really hurt me. So that kind of sits in my mind uh, with the likes of Salah and De Bruyne. But De Bruyne's just not been on that level. I, I suppose it just... It, everything in my bones tells me that him playing pretty much up front, which he may not when he comes back, um, you know, on penalties again, I assume, when he comes back, um, and being the best player in the league makes me think that he could just completely take the piss. Um, but it just continues to not happen. So for now, he's he's not in my thoughts really, um, which is is just strange to say. Uh, I think yeah, I think both also saying Luke that on that Man City have got the extra fixtures very early, so they've got the extra game against Everton. There's talk of another additional game coming um, before the second half of the the second half of the season. Mm. Um, if he's coming back from injury, he might not be thrown straight in. It might take a little while for him to get back up to speed. And by then, you might have already missed the boat a little bit on the extra fixtures. Yeah. And by the time you bring him in, you know, you'd be looking at the likes of Grealish, um, who would probably have two or three extra games over him from that point. So, and the league might already, already be won or close to being won mm-hmm. by that point. So, just additional variables that, you know, it might be that Man City players after six or seven games, we start to move them on anyway. So rather than bringing another one in. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lose any sleep over not having KDB, but I, I mean, you'll probably record that and, and play it when he scores a hat-trick on his first game. Back. <laughs> no, I think you're talking a lot of sense. And I think uh, another factor there is obviously the Champions League. When that starts kicking in, if they're doing well in the league, then... Uh, why would you risk Kevin De Bruyne, your best asset, in some of these easier games? You just would well, I wouldn't. Maybe Pep would. That's the thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement there. I think with you, and I think that's probably out of all the ones we've discussed, it's more of the easier side. Um, and I just think there will be people out there that are that are sort of planning around De Bruyne a little bit, and maybe that will help them to to, to sort of edge on the way that we're going. And well, there's no there's nothing to say that that will be the better way, but it, it looks the more rational way at least at the moment to me. 
Um, I don't really have anything else to ask you now. So unless you've got anything else you want to throw out there as a discussion point, um, anything you're anything you're debating or any internal struggles we haven't mentioned? Oh, lots of them. But we could be here all day <laughs> if we go into that. Um, maybe we can come after we've stopped recording. Look, we can uh, have a counselling session, and you can talk me through some of the big challenges, both in Sky and in life. But one other issue, one other thing that I think we've probably not discussed, which I think other people um, I've seen have um, asked some questions about um, on Twitter, not directly to us, but maybe when um, some of the other podcasts have been putting stuff out, is around Chelsea defence. Okay, yeah. So I think people have looked at the fixtures and thought that there's good reason to have a Chelsea, bit of Chelsea coverage in there. Um and the challenge, of course, is which one? So obviously we saw Thiago Silva pick up an injury. He's also old, isn't he? So he's not going to play every week. Um, they're currently playing three at the back. Zuma has dropped out the team. Rudiger is looks like he's fairly nailed on, but, but doesn't seem to be picking up passing at the same rate as the other defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got Azpilicueta, who's playing right centre-back who has picked up passing bonus in every game since Tuchel came in. Um, and I've got an interesting stat on Azpilicueta. So Chelsea this season have kept 10 clean sheets. Um, seven of those clean sheets have come in the games that Azpilicueta started. So he's started 11. They've kept seven clean sheets. So in the remaining 12 games, they've only kept three clean sheets without Azpilicueta, yeah. which is quite low. Mm. So he looks to me like he could be the man. Um and he's picking up decent passing returns. He's he's actually quite a threat as well from set pieces. Um, so there's you know difficulty because we've talked a lot about defenders today. I mean, I've listed about ten defenders that easily you could have. So the question is, who do you sacrifice for him? Um, but when it comes to Chelsea options, I think he's probably at the top of the pecking order for me. I don't know if you're planning on having a Chelsea asset to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like one. It's, it, what I've struggled with is to, is to identify who. So, um, like you, I, th- I really do like Aspilicueta. He's been um, an absolute stalwart of Sky, to be honest. I've often not had him, but he's always been that guy that I, I should have had in multiple seasons just because of his, his, his ability to get a bonus. For me, it's just this whole um, Tuchel th- thing and the reputation that he can sometimes change the formation. If he goes to a back four, I can't see him being the centre-back and then he's competing with James at the right-back. Um, and James is just really good. So that's what worries me there. Um, uh, and that's probably you know, silly to think that. I mean, it's similar to the Justin James thing, really, where you just think that this guy's not going to continue to play, but everything tells you that there's no reason for that to change. And that's probably what I'm doing with it myself. At least initially, he looks good, and that's probably where you want him for the. I mean, the home to Newcastle game just stinks of twenty points as a captain straight away. Um, and like you say, he's got that attacking threat. He, he, he's actually better for tackles than most other passing defenders um, that we've got in our team. So he's got a monster hole in him, I'm sure. Um, and I'm, I'm not certain. For me, it's going to come down to something like: Do I go with Antonio um, or do I go with Aspilicueta? Uh, that that conundrum I've looked at, along with the Salah or Calvert Lewin thing, and it, there's a sort of couple of spaces that I'm debating between a few, and obviously that then changes your, your formation and, and who you can have elsewhere. So still not 100% set, but he's certainly in my mind, uh, and I do like that as a pick. Um, I think that just about everything. Then, uh, if you're happy to end it there, Niall, anything else you want to say? About? No, that's all. Just thanks for having me on, and uh, 
I'm sure that we've probably made things worse for people rather than actually giving them any yeah. concrete solutions. But you know, that's the, that's the thing. You just my advice would just be pick the team that you think is best placed to get you through, um, and trust in it and go for it. Definitely that. And the aim here is not to say these are the players we're picking, we think they're the best, you should get them. That's never going to be the aim of the podcast. These are our internal debates that everyone has. And the PFA as we end up with, um, you know, it doesn't mean that we think the ones that we don't have are bad options. It's just the way we've we've ended up just as the, the deadlines hit. You know, if you're giving me an extra hour either way, my team might have been different. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just, I think it's good just to, to talk through the thought process, especially of them. Um, a guy like yourself, Niall, who's done so well and so consistent. That's the thing where I've, I've struggled of late is that consistency. So to hear the thoughts of you is really good. So thanks for joining. And um, we'll try to do these a little bit more often if we can. I mean, obviously, overhaul um, is a great point to do it. There's a lot to talk about and often there isn't there isn't much. But if any topics pop up, we might just uh, do an ad hoc one if you fancy joining us now. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Nice one. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. If you could, um, I don't think there's anything to like, share or whatever on this anchor, but um, on Twitter, if you wouldn't mind just giving us some comments and feedback, maybe share it amongst the, the Sky Illuminati. That would be, be fantastic. Catch you later.